name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We continue our celebration of Christ's holy ascension to the right hand of the Father, and it uh, raises, this act of Christ raises our human potential. We'll talk a bit about that uh, in the bulk of the homily, but I want also to recognize Today, the Holy Fathers of the First Ecumenical Council, the 318 bishops that met, and all the faithful that surrounded the the bishops uh, to uh, confirm the truth of the faith against the Arian Arian heresy, which was teaching that Christ was not fully God. And our beloved St. Athanasius was a beloved deacon at that time, uh, and so... uh, I was thinking about it when we came today. The priests venerate all the icons before the service. And how wonderful it was to venerate St. Athanasius on this day when we celebrate uh, his beautiful acts as well as the acts of many other faithful people in the, um, in the church. So we're grateful for their, their efforts in uh, maintaining the truth of the faith uh, preached by Christ and the apostles. So the work there, I think it's important to understand that how does that, how does something ascend to that, that, uh, that truth? When we say it's truth, how does it get there? Because that's a very important thing, because it's not about personal opinion. Arius had an opinion. Others had opinion. Nestorius had an opinion. They all had opinions. How does that opinion find its way to the truth? The truth is first conciliar, the three C's, okay? First conciliar, it's done in council. It was started back in Jerusalem by the holy apostles when there was a controversy in the church. The the apostles met and conciliarly decided this is what we're going to do. So the church meets a conciliar way to determine the truth. It also must have consensus. It must that truth must go out to the people, and the people must say amen to it. Okay, so conciliar and consensus. And then it must then be confirmed through history. So not just that generation says amen, but the next generation says amen. So that's why we have the creed today, because the church sees this, this word truth as being very special, and something to ascend to that place is a really... Uh, It's an arduous task, right? It has to be looked at very carefully. It's not just an opinion that becomes the truth. The truth becomes something that is given uh, by God to the church, preserved by the church through conciliar agreement, by consensus, and by confirmation in history. So when you say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, you need to kiss St. Athanasius when you're saying that. Because it's him and all those with him and all the saints that preserve this. All the men, the women, the saints that, that amen this. So it's very important. Uh, so I thought I'd share with you another thought on this. Uh, interesting, I was talking to somebody this week and they were saying to me that when I come into church, I feel like I'm coming into a family reunion. Isn't that a great thought? Here they are. It's a family reunion, right? 
with the Lord and the Mother of God and St. Athanasius, St. John the Baptist, the angels and all the saints that surround us. We're coming to a family reunion. You know, sometimes we weren't blessed with good fathers, good mothers, good brothers, good sisters, good family. But I'm telling you, in the kingdom of God, you're blessed with a good father, a good mother, good brothers and sisters, and a beautiful family. So come to your reunion. Beautiful. Okay, that's my little thing. And I'm going to get, now I'm going to tell you, that now I'm going to give you the homily. <laughs> Forgive me. So, when Christ ascended into heaven, human potential was raised. And uh, I want to just mention a few things and talk a little bit about them uh, from the... Uh, Gospel text says, When Christ raised, was ascended into heaven, human potential is, in, is, is elevated because he's given eternal life to all. Now, this eternal life is certainly our hope. We don't live uh, for the hope in this life. We live for the hope in the life to come. We said at the Ascension Liturgy, that this is just a prelude to the book. This is the preface to the book of eternity for us. So we always look forward to that. But we can experience that eternity now. And I want to read something that Father Hopko wrote about the divine liturgy. When we come to the point where the priest says, thine own of thine own, on behalf of all and for all. What's actually happening, happening, happening spiritually at that moment? At that moment, whether we know it or not, whether we experience it or not, this is what's happening. Heaven and earth are blended into one, filled with the glory of God. The ages past, the ages still to come, are brought into unity. The night, the supper, the cross, the tomb, the resurrection, the ascension, the kingdom to come, all merged together in the Eucharistic moment of the divine liturgy. Man is with God in holy communion, which is not of this world. All boundaries of time and space are utterly broken. All walls of division are totally destroyed. Man's sins are forgiven in Christ. His impurities are cleansed. His corruption is healed. His mortal nature is restored to the immortality of God. His created humanity is filled with uncreated divinity of the all-holy trinity. It only remains now to seal the action by the invocation of the Holy Spirit, blessing the gift for the final time. Heaven and earth have come together. All things are in unity. We need to just, there's moments in the liturgy where this just is, things are just happening. We need to take, we need to chew on this stuff. Let it become a part of who we are. Let it come, we come with anticipating these things happening. Heaven and earth are united. You're not excited. This is bizarre. They come together. Wow. All things are brought into unity. All man's sins are forgiven in this moment of the divine liturgy. So we need to understand that this is a reality today for us. Not just a hope for the future, but a reality in, in, in a moment like this in our, in our liturgy. 
So, also in the text today, in the gospel, they know thee, the only true God. The God who is beyond knowing. We say in the liturgy, invisible, incomprehensible. Uh, we call God uncircumscribable. He's so big, he's beyond our ability to understand. But the beauty of this is he's made himself available to us personally. The God, creator, sustainer of the universe, lives, put your finger up, right there. Wow. Undescribable, uncircumscribable. St. Seraphim says, you know where the Holy Spirit loves to dwell more than anywhere else? In the heart of mankind. That's his favorite place. So we need to understand this. God, we, we have God accessible to us personally. We live in this baptismal reality that we're united to Christ, and we live in that unity. I try as best we can, and we should all try, to kind of keep that in our, our mind all the time so that when a thought comes in, it comes next to Christ. It does, can it stay there? Can it exist there? Can an evil thought stand next to him? No. So we need to understand how simple this is, to know thee, the only true God. And then he says this beautiful thing, I am praying for them. Out of his great love for mankind, Christ, the Son of God, prays for us. So when you're worn out, and you're not able to pray, guess who's praying for you? Christ. When you're tired and beaten down and things just seem impossible, guess who's praying for you? Christ. There's a beautiful prayer at the end of the prayer. It says, um, teach me to pray. And you know what comes after that. Pray you yourself in me. Sometimes when you just can't pray, just be quiet and listen to Christ praying for you. Because he is. You see how our potential is raised here? Just to be able to, when we can't do it, I can't do it. I'm, 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 I feel like I'm done. Just be quiet. Let Christ pray in you. And then as he's praying in you, he'll teach you to pray. It'll come back. Um, then he says, I'm glorified with them. So we see the glorified saints of the church. And we are called to emulate them, to be like them. You know, I think sometimes we look at that and we go, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't be, in a sense, like St. Gregory Palamas. No, but I think sometimes we, we don't need to shoot that high. <laughs> I think that sometimes it's so high like that, we just say, well, it's not possible. Well, maybe we can make an effort. Maybe we see in St. Gregory courage. Can I be more courageous? Can I be more, can I persevere more in some areas of my life where we see the saints persevere even unto their death? We can see this. We understand this and how important it is that the, their example is an encouragement to us to do better. 
to be to do saintly things. There's a beautiful book, and if you have a chance, Everyday Saints. Beautiful book. It's about just common monks, nuns, people in their lives that just were they had some real liabilities. <laughs> they, were, they weren't like saintly saints, but they did incredible saintly things. So just everyday saints. We can be everyday saints. So what comes before us? What challenges does God give to us? God, help us to deal with them in a holy way, in a, in a venerable way. Um, that they may be one, even as we are one. This beautiful oneness that God has given to uh, his people uh, is important to understand. Um, the Trinity is one. The church is one. Uh, and the importance of this is to understand that God's unity, God's oneness, um, how to say this? You're either in it or you're not. You're either in the unity or you're not in the unity. The, the oneness of the church, the oneness of God doesn't change. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we have to take, we have to be, I think, very encouraged that God will not ever comp compromise the oneness of his body. Now, you're either in that oneness or not in it. But he won't compromise that unity. So that unity is, is divinely established. And so for us and all of us, we need to, I think, understand how important that is and encouraging that is. Because we look around and we look at the church and we go, the church isn't one. It's all broken up. Well, that's the peripheral. Okay? The, the center of the church is always unified. It's always one in Christ. Always one in the Father, Son, and Spirit. So I, it's an encouraging thing to me to understand that whatever happens around the, in Christendom, never compromises the oneness of the church. Never. I should encourage you. Because <laughs> it's a mess out there. It's a mess out there. Me too. Yeah, I'm a mess too. No, you're right. But I think it's so important to understand that. It's encouraging to understand that. That God preserves this unity, this oneness. Um, and then in the epistle, this, this kind of warning that St. Paul gives uh, that um, they're in the world and take heed to yourselves because there'll be uh, trouble. There'll be like violent wolves will come. So our encouragement in this is that even in our walk as Christian people, our walk in the church itself, we need to be vigilant Pay attention. These things come at us individually in very subtle ways. And if we're not attentive to these things, we can be uh, knocked off track. So the Lord is encouraging us through St. Paul to be vigilant, to be alert, to keep your eyes and your heart open to that which is good and follow it and that which is going to take you down the wrong path and to resist it. Continue to be vigilant. Very important, I think, for us to heed those words. And lastly, and I think most importantly, he says, they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Joy. The joy, they, who, whose joy is it? Your joy? It's his joy. 
they may have my joy. That when we can just at times in life just be quiet and pause and let Christ's joy fill us. We have a lot to be thankful for, brothers and sisters, lots to be thankful for. And we can live in that thanksgiving and allow that joy to kind of bubble up in us and just be quiet with Christ and allow that joy to be the the fulfillment of our life. You know, before the icon of Christ, we pray that his joy joy fills all things. All things. Because his presence is our joy. And in the midst of difficulties and struggles, Christ is present with us, and because he's present with us, we have joy. We have his joy. So may we ascend with Christ to the holy places and uh, live up to our potential with his help. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.